NYPD has crime skyrocketed 44%. Major cities are seeing explosive crime rates. But crime is no longer hidden. People are being assaulted in broad daylight. Defunding the police and critical theories are parts of the bigger story, but there is more. Lieutenant Joseph Vangaro and Wallace Garneau talk about the criminal mindset with a dire warning to all Americans. And then Dr. Mike Eden and Dr. Elizabeth Lee discuss the COVID criminality, Pfizer's motives on the Project Veritas video and the media censoring. And then the NIH announces a new vaccine rollout being rushed to market. At the same time, vaccine overload has caused damage to even the brand of childhood vaccines. The criminal mind and dumbing down of America. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Outloud here. And this one we are dubbing as uh, the criminal mind and dumbing down of America. And that is surely what we are seeing and taking place, friends. You know, it's almost, uh, I say it's almost one of these future spy movies, you see, where things start to go haywire. Uh, We're seeing crime now at numbers and rates all over the country. And that's the other thing. We have this America that's a blue America and a red America. We know what that's all about, and it becomes very highly political. And once you start having that conversation, you irritate and you alienate a whole bunch of people that don't want to talk to you anymore. But really, it's the urban markets. Uh, but that urban crime, keep in mind, is absolutely, it's flown over into the suburban and rural areas, to be sure. And so what I'm saying is suggesting right up front, don't look at this as a kind of a red and blue, but it's really a melting mash. Let's call it purple, if you will. That overflow, what I'm saying is if you think it doesn't impact you because you're in red, you're sadly mistaken. And if you think, and problem is a lot of the blue, they're moving to the red. It it gets very complicated and convoluted here. Uh, There's some interesting stories around this all as well. In addition to that, as you heard up front in the talking points, we'll have um, uh, we'll dive into some of the criminal and COVID a little bit later. The criminal is a pretty big word today, friends. On on uh, it's on everybody's mind and heart here. We're going to start the program off right now and bring on Lieutenant Joseph Pangaro joins me. He's a retired police lieutenant, recognized security expert across the country. Uh, he's a great author and a host of Chasing Justice right here on America Out Loud. Um, Lieutenant Joe, you follow this stuff. I mean, you live this stuff day in and day out. I want to give a sense to listeners. I want to start here. Um, what's driving, in your opinion, as a as a law officer and what you see out there, what's driving the mentality of crime? Because we're seeing the crime, Joe, now. Let me just also say it's in broad daylight. This stuff is no longer hidden. This stuff is being done right out in the middle of the day. And I'm seeing a lot of stories every day. People are paying the price with their lives. If they're not killed, they're seriously injured. You almost have to look over your shoulder now, Joe. It's become a very sad state of affairs. What's driving this mindset? 
Malcolm, the the world that we used to live in, where we respected the law, we respected our law enforcement agencies, we all kind of agreed that we would follow the rules. Uh, that that day is gone, and we've been talking about. All of us have been talking about, you know, the shift in in political things and and the red and the blue and why we're so far apart. And as I say all the time on Chasing Justice, we used to all be going the same way down the river. We just chose different routes to get there. Now we're, we're in completely different areas. We, we, we're not going the same direction, just having different ways to get there. We, we have total, completely different beliefs. And with crime, crime is, is caused by the impression that people who would commit crime, how they see their chances of getting away with it. And we have seen, especially mm. in the last two years, that uh, we have all these prosecutors that are very, very woke. Uh, they're in because they're, they're trying to interpret our criminal justice system, which a lot of people say is is not fair, especially to our minority communities. So therefore, how do we make it more just? How do we how do we fix this problem? Well, we certainly can have reform and we can talk about that. But the reality is once you back off of law enforcement and you tell everybody that, hey, the cops are bad, they're going to kill you. Uh, I, I heard our president the other day having a talk and, and he says he's never had to have the talk uh, with his children that many of our minority community parents have to talk about. The police do not just come up and kill you for no reason. All right. And that's the impression that people were making. And, mm -hmm. and that has become the uh, an accepted position. So what you see now is this defund the cops movement, prosecutors that refuse to prosecute crime. And that message gets out very, very clearly to people when they see other people getting away with things, running in and then robbing everything out of a store, out of a high end store, smashing the glass, taking all the equipment, the jewelry, whatever it is, and running out the door. There's there's no investigation. I, I was just in California and I was in the San Francisco area and mm. everywhere you go, where you park to go see some uh, attraction, there are signs that say this is a smash and grab hotspot. Don't leave anything in your car. And I talked to a couple of officers. I said, well, how many do you get? He goes, well, we get about 80 or 90 a day and we don't even investigate them anymore. We just mm. tell people don't leave stuff in your car. That mentality is not just in San Francisco, as you said, it's now moved to the smaller towns. Our officers are under assault. They are now doing more reactive police work than proactive. And the only thing that protects society is proactive law enforcement. Right. And we don't have that. We've backed off it. We've criminalized it. We've demonized the officers. Uh, they are Their morale is down low. They can't get police officers. You can't get people who want to be police officers anymore yeah. because not only will you, uh, you know, maybe you lose your job, you lose your pension. You might go to prison for doing the job that well, society demands them to do. Those and cases have been heavily from. publicized. I mean, everybody knows that now. And, you know, I, I was talking to uh, uh, others in the uh, law enforcement. Your point is right. They're, I mean, they're having real troubles uh, getting new recruits, that sort of thing. You know, Joe, you mentioned um, with people uh, something that stuck with my mind here. They know they can get away with it. Now, that resonates a moment with me. I want to touch on that a moment because we talk about the criminal mind. Mm -hmm. um, when somebody knows they can get away with it, then perhaps they pursue the crime. Now, it's interesting, but I'm thinking here, Joe, if you or I were walking down the road, and there was an opportunity to rob somebody or create some real uh, for 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 personal uh, somebody who would consider personal benefit or reward. And they 
they have the choice in front of them to do it. I know full out, I would never, I, I just, I don't have that sort of a mind and nor would I have the intention of hurting another person and I don't want what they have anyway. So, so right away, I know it's a mindset. So I'll ask you, Lieutenant Joe, would you walk down the road and beat the hell out of somebody or steal something from them? If you could get away with it, I'm talking about your words because you know, you can get away with it. If you knew you could get away with it, would you do it? Me personally, Malcolm, I would not. And and one of the things is, as you mentioned, that I do I do teach a lot. I teach in schools and businesses, and I teach law enforcement officers. One of the programs we do is about ethics. And ethics is, you know, do you do the right thing when nobody's looking? And I've been in those situations. Many officers are. The reason they call the police the finest mm-hmm. is because we are in people's houses when they're not there. We're around their stuff. And sure, there's some bad guys and girls who have done things, but I would never... Because I see uh, an ATM is is kicking out money. I would never stand there and just take the money and walk away. I would collect it up and go in the store and say, you know, your ATM is kicking money out here. Well, um, it depends how high those bills are, by the way. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. When I talked to when we when we listened to people recently, there was a news story where somebody found a very uh, impoverished woman found a bag of fifteen thousand dollars cash, yeah. and she turned it in. Yeah. And this started a whole conversation. Yeah. Would you have turned it in? And people are like, well, um, probably not. I couldn't believe how many right. people said that. Well, most would not. Money. I mean, come on. And, you know, and if right. you find it, that's a di- but that's different than um, I- I'm su- I'm suggesting that's even a- it-, it is an interesting mindset, though, what you bring up, what you propose there. But I'm talking about physically violence right. with somebody in criminal, which is different than I found something and, gee, I'm going to keep it today. Uh, I think if you polled all of America, that percentage would be through the sky, uh, I believe. But the other percentage of abuse, you know, violence and all is a different animal. Um, this whole mindset of why somebody becomes a criminal, I, I think that's a driving mechanism for me. And I think it's what fails us is the human race right now and why we're seeing all of these things explode all over the place here uh, and why some people don't hesitate to do that crime. And you said because they can get away with it. You're exactly right. Years back, the defunding the police, uh, this it was really it sounded like a Saturday Night Live joke uh, when it first came out, but it was no joke to these leftist Marxists. Uh, they not only talked about it, but they exercised it. They did it. But more than that, Joe, they made it a mindset. And by making it a mindset, you then uh, you criminalize the whole thing. And then people feel comfortable uh, to be able to do what you suggest they would do to get because they can get away with it. Let me bring on Joe. Uh, keep the thought there. Let me bring on Wallace Garneau joins us here. And Wallace, these are two of my favorites, by the way, Lieutenant Joe and Wallace. Uh, there's no no doubt about it. Uh, they're both incredibly well-spoken and understand the problems that we're dealing with. Uh, Wallace is a political analyst, he's a commentator, uh, a fabulous writer here on the network and uh, author and uh, j- just a really great, great student of the game, I call it. And, uh, and I'll tell people about the op-ed in just a moment here, but pick up on this fact. They know they can get away with it, Wallace. Uh, what does that mean in the criminal mindset of things? Well, when people know they can get away with something, then it becomes a question of do I or do I not want to be a moral person? And we're all confronted with that question multiple times every day. A good person hopefully tries to focus on doing the right thing when they're confronted with the opportunity to do otherwise. But there are some people out there, whether they're born that way or created that way over the course of their lives, 
They just don't care about the, doing the right or wrong thing. They care about themselves. They care about immediate gratification. And if you tell them you can go into a store and take $999.99 worth of stuff, and nobody will stop you, nobody will arrest you, and you, you can just have it. And in some cases, you can take more than that as long as you can show that there's a need for it. It's still, you know, whatever you, you well, feel. Hold on. What's your, let me tell people, what you're referencing, though, is this this right. Anything under 100 bucks, it was yours, you can keep it, right? That that was really said all over the place in the media, Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In California, much of California, that's the law now. Uh, so when you tell people, go ahead and go out there and steal, we're not going to stop you. Anybody who does not have that moral conundrum where, where they have an opportunity to do something wrong, they say, you know what, I'm a good God-fearing person. I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing for the right reason. And so they're able to resist that temptation Well, to a people that have lost that and that don't care about doing the right thing versus the wrong thing. Of course, they're going to go out and steal. You just told them they can Right, right. Now, uh, again, that's right. They know they can get away with it. I mean, Joe said those words up there. You just cemented it right there. But now, is is it the fact that, um, I'm just wondering, you know, in my mind here, is this just the traditional fight of good and evil we're dealing and facing here? Or, 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 uh, is there something more afoot here, Wallace, back to how we're bought up, how we're educated? How we, I mean, where, and again, this whole good and evil, I, I'd like to think when we're born, I, well, it's a good question, isn't it? Are we born with a with a good mind at that point? Is just the corruption from that point forward, or are we born with an evil mind? And we, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. And how we're brought up and taught as kids, you know, that's it's a factor. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and I think it's a combination of both. Uh, Lieutenant Joe, I'm sure, has run into his fair share of psychopaths, and sociopaths who oh, just yeah. don't care about their fellow human beings. I think most people are not like that. I think the vast majority of people, if they're raised the right way and taught the right thing, mm-hmm. and, and, and we've, as long as we have a societal understanding of what morality is, and what good moral values are, I think most people want to be good people. And I think the reason why people are, are willing to, to, to commit crime, and particularly violent crime, is, is because uh, they don't want to be. They, they, they're confused. They think that it's okay to beat people up. They think that what they are doing right, is, in right. fact, moral. All right. All right. I want to talk about this dumb and down of America here. And then I've got some of the crime stuff I want to get to. And uh, you, you've got a terrific uh, op-ed up on AmericaOutloud.com, Driving Crime and Violence by Teaching the Hatred of Critical Theories. Now, when people hear critical theories, almost everybody I know and what's talked about out there, they think of CRT. That's what always comes to mind. CRT, 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 Critical Race Theory. You open up a whole bunch of other thoughts and present the other theories in your essay there, which I thought was very important to educate people. This thing is in every facet of our lives. First of all, you have to understand that this whole critical theory business is sort of, in my words, uh, and I want you to speak about this, Wallace, a, a kind of a mechanism for when we started hearing those words, social justice, social justice, social justice. What the hell was social justice? Well, the concept was, as you say, that any system that creates a, a disparate outcome for different groups is invariably not just. I equate this to the fact that everybody got an award in school, uh, it, whether you really, you know, were really good at that race or whether you were subpar or really stunk at it or even tried or cared. Everybody got an award. And that's where we started hearing some of the stuff come up. And it was really a mind twister. The fact that people were really thinking this way. Then you take this whole social justice e- e- equality, 
right? Equity, equality, leveling out the playing field. You get into economics, you get into how we're raised. Speak about, so people understand in context, Wallace, these critical theories, because you've got here, my golly, critical history theory, critical language theory, critical music theory, critical uh, critical math theory, and one of my favorites, uh, personal favorites, critical journalism theory. Take it from there, will you? Well, to really understand critical race theory and all of the offshoots of critical race theory, and I really only focus on critical race theory in the article. I talk about how it started as critical legal studies in the in, at Harvard University. It spread its tentacles out from there. But to really understand critical theory, you have to understand that that came out of Stalinist uh, Russia. Uh, Leninist Stalinist Russia it came out after World War One, so it was kind of during that transitionary period yeah. between Lenin and Stalin. And uh, the theory part of critical theory is that if you can take a society, a Western society of wealthy people, you now even the poor people in America had cars. They saw that as a problem in, in post-World uh, War I Europe. The, the communists did that. As, so what they said is if you can slice a society up into smaller pieces, ever smaller pieces, and turn everybody, all of these smaller pieces against the whole of society, uh, the society will rip itself to shreds. So critical theory is not a theory about society being bad or society being good. It's a theory about how to destroy a society by turning all of the people in the society against it. Critical race theory, you know, they looked over at America when, uh, when, when Hitler came to power, all of the communists in Germany fled. They went first to, uh, I forget the name of the university in New York, but they started Columbia University. And then they spread out from there. Uh, they saw America as the perfect opportunity to build critical theory because of the racial tensions that were in America at that time and that have continued, you know, to a certain degree since. And they said, you know, we can we can turn black people, obviously, against the United States. Uh, as other minorities started to spring up, we can turn them against the United States. Let's get people to be gay. We can turn them against the United mm -hmm. States. Trans, get them against the United States. Fat people, we can get them against the United States. So they, they broke up women, you know. They broke it up into ever smaller slices of society. Mm -hmm. And right. every one of them, they say, you guys are oppressed by society as a whole. And and the, the thought process behind this, again, the theory Mm -hmm. is that our society would be pulled apart and destroyed by that, and then the communists could come in and build something up. Uh, the anti-police movement is also a part of this, and I don't get into this in this article. I've written about it in the past, but Lieutenant Joe, I'm sure, has, has run into this. The first person to have an anti-police movement was Mao. What he did is he said we need to have community policing throughout China, right. and he started getting communities to want to have community policing instead of an actual police force. Well, guess who his community police were? They were his followers. They became the Red Army. He actually took over China mm -hmm. by making uh, his his followers his his future Red Army the police, and, and that was that was how he formed his army in the first place, and that was how he started to take okay. power in China. That's what we're seeing here. Right. And again, none of this is about that. The actual theory part isn't about society being evil. It's about how can you destroy it. What we're talking about here is propaganda. This is propaganda at, at its at its highest form. And, you, you know, we use the word, and you used it several times there, the word they, 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 they. That's used a lot today. We it, Nobody ever knows who they really is, or do they, or who's behind the curtain. Uh, give me a sentence or two. Who are they? Well, in this case, they would be the people that are propagating critical race theory and other critical theories in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, those that are fomenting hate in our schools, that are teaching our children, mm -hmm. hate yourselves, hate each other, hate the country, hate the, you know, hate everything. And, uh -huh. and that's, they are those that are teaching that. I, I hope that I introduced them 
in the article. Uh, I do sometimes use the word they a lot in articles. I try to introduce who they are at the beginning of the article. And I, I well, we all I use that case. word. They. Uh, it, it's a common thing. I'm, I'm suggesting is that we just do it, and uh, but we never really identify who the they are. We just it's like the boogeyman. You know who's the boogeyman? We just know the boogeyman's out there and he's coming after you, man. Uh, that's the they. The they is the boogeyman. You understand what I mean, right? I mean, yes. In this case, it's primarily American teachers. Well, okay, now you're getting specific. I like that. I like that. Lieutenant Joe, let me bring you back into the talk here. Uh, the boogeyman, uh, the teachers, school teachers. Now, you you train a lot of schools. Uh, you work with a lot of schools as far as training, school shootings. It's a, we just had a series of these things again, recent times. And we know that it's only a, a, a ticking clock here as to when the next one will be, Joe. You know, you and I will be talking about it some point ahead. That's the sad face of it. Uh, and the reality is a sick reality. Um, these critical theories Wallace is talking about, he addresses in the piece, is the indoctrination and teaching of the kids. Play that out for me. Uh, take a moment or two. Play that out with the schools, the crime, what's driving this mechanism, and, and, and potentially how we push back. Well, I think, Wallace, the point that you make that I really like is that, like many things in our society, this is there's layers that they take an idea and the idea is to break the country apart and socialize it and communize it. That's the that's the, well, you that's divide the, the people, you divide yes. the people, you conquer. And there's layers that they put on top of that. So social justice has a nice sound to it because who doesn't want justice? So they wrap themselves in social justice when really they want to change the society. President well, Obama they're wordsmith. came out. They're wordsmiths. Yes. Uh, Joe, these people are brilliant at wordsmithing, uh, propaganda. This is how they have victory. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, they, they change. I mean, President Obama came out and said, I'm going to fundamentally change America. We thought he meant he was going to change the policies a little bit. Didn't realize that what he really did mean and what has gone on since then, since that time, is that they are fundamentally changing who we are as a people how we function with each other and everything that Wallace brought up, the layers of the onion are being peeled apart, but underneath it all, there's a, there's a plan. The plan is to destroy America and then rebuild it how they want it. Crime is part of that because if you have chaos in the streets, you have people who are upset and afraid, what do you want? You need someone to come and save you. You need government. And they're going to say, sure, we have to take all your guns so that nobody gets shot. There's no more school shootings because we're going to take all the guns. Now you're safe. And people who are afraid, who are afraid of crime will see that and go, you know, we re if we took all the guns, then then nobody right. would get hurt. Kids wouldn't shoot. So it's a well, the criminals would have messaging. them. The bad people they always would will. have them. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's these people are moronic. I mean, to think that you're going to take guns from anybody and save the world, you're you're stupid if you think that. Just just yesterday on Saturday here, uh, there was uh, just to give you an example here and, and speak about this. There were major crimes. New York has fallen apart by the second. You you know this, Joe. You study see this right in Midtown South. The crime has skyrocketed forty four percent compared to the same time just a year ago. For God's sakes. I mean, you're talking murders and criminals, and this is all in broad daylight. No, they're not hiding any of this anymore. And you're talking places like uh, public places, Times Square, the Grand Central Terminal, Madison Square Garden, all these places we've all been to. I would have no desire to go to those places to bring my family anymore, I have to tell you. I see it as one of those uh, crazy, chaotic, futuristic movies of crime. And that's my interpretation of it. I, I have no desire to be there. I would not visit that place again. It's become hell on earth, just about. Same thing with California. I see another story here, Joe. Just yesterday, Utah. 
GOP governor to Californians that are fleeing the state because of crime, San Francisco, you mentioned, probably poop as well and needles, and taxes, crime and taxes, they say. And he, you know what he says to them? Stay in California, please. We don't want you. I mean, he's literally the governor telling them to stay in California. I mean, I, you never see this with a governor. They come out, no. don't, yeah, we don't want you to come here. Can you believe this? Yeah, he does he doesn't want them to bring the the mindset. It's no. like all of all of these red states that we have that have they're good places to live. Yeah. They say, okay, you're gonna move here, but don't bring the politics. Don't bring politics. That destroyed your home state that yeah. you came from. Yeah. You destroyed yeah. it there. Now you're gonna come here and, and vote for the same things. Yeah. When you talk about New York, Malcolm, and the crime, let's Jeez. let's look at one thing here. I used to love to go into New York City, take the family and my wife, yeah. go have dinner. Yeah. Wonderful. It is very, very dangerous now. But the people of New York City continue to vote for the people who are not <laughs> going to fix the problem. And that's all these major cities. So hold what on, is that, Joe, let that me, mindset? Let me, hold on, Joe. Give me two seconds so I can bang my head against the wall three or four or five <laughs> times, please. Okay? You hear that? Bang, bang, bang. Why do they do that, Joe? I, I mean, they're, they're, they're obviously idiots. Right. Well, and this is where the messaging that comes out to people is more important than reality on the ground. I ignore what your lying eyes show you is happening, because if you vote for that person, they're they're going to they're going to kill everybody. They're going to put people in cages. I don't get it. I mean, to it's think, nonsense to think but, you keep doing the same thing. And you're going to get a different result is insanity. Defunding the police show, defunding the police. I mean, have we started to turn the corner at all on the defund the police where people now understand across the board it's not doable, it's not possible, it was a dumb idea, and let's get back to a civil society? Are we making any progress there or not? Well, I, I think we are a little bit, and here's why. You know, they always talk about the pendulum. Well, the pendulum does swing back and forth, but you never get back to where you started. It swings forward and then a little bit back. So the the whole the whole idea is do we do we need to change and this was a, a topic on chasing justice i had the other day what is it we want from law enforcement do we want them to not stop cars anymore because if you stop cars you're going to find people who don't want to get stopped and then they they take off on you and then they crash into a family and kill them so we stopped pursuits pretty much all over what do we do with people who don't want to be arrested so a lot of places said you know you're charging someone it's a very serious charge resisting arrest because you're not allowed to resist a lawful order of the police. That's that keeps society calm, keeps the chaos away. The cop arrests you, you don't agree with it, you go to court, and that's where you fight it. Now we've told everyone not only do the cops not have a right to arrest you, you don't have to listen. And now you're seeing people fight. Many communities have dropped the uh the weight of the charge of resisting arrest down to nothing that you're allowed to resist. You, you that, that's no longer a big deal. Therefore, people are emboldened to take a swing at a cop or to find you walking up the street and punch you in the face because they feel like punching you or maybe they want to take your wallet. There was a guy on the news the other night. He was arrested for doing a whole bunch of robberies two days in a row. And he's standing there. You know how they do the perp walk? And he's going, I'll be out by this time tomorrow. See that? Well, that's he true. Knows. And we're, yeah, we're he seeing will be back out. They know it. Well, what you said is they know they can get away with it, right? You said that right up top of the broadcast. It, Absolutely. It rung in my ears and my and you you nailed it right there. I mean, right at the opening mark. Um, they do know they're getting away with it, but that comes back to the system itself. But this system has a tipping point, Joe, a tipping point. And in the last final moments, I'll talk to you and Wallace both about that tipping point. Uh, each take a, just a minute or two here. Are we at the tipping point and what happens next, Joe? I don't know that we are. Um, I think it's going to get worse continually because we, we still see people doing voting for the same 
people who do the same kind of things. We should have a, a wave of people against this and, and calling for more law enforcement. Instead, right. we're just hearing people say, I'm scared. I don't want to be victimized. But nothing is changing. We, we don't see that pendulum going the other way. We don't see how come there are not uh, cops in the subways. Like they show pictures of the 70s. There's two cops in every car. Now you go in the subway, you're going to get killed or raped or beat, and there's nobody going to do anything about it. I, so I don't think we've reached that uh, okay. please bring back Rudy Giuliani moment. I don't think right. we've reached that. So it's going to have to get states. worse before it gets better still then, you're saying. Yeah. I, I think it will, yes. Yeah. All right. Let me ask Wallace. Wallace, do you have the same sentiments as that, or do you have a different thought? I've got a different thought. Uh, we know what comes next because history books tell us what comes next. Once Mao got rid of the police or got the public to be fervently against the police, what he did is he gave badges to the criminals, made sure the criminals were armed and had the criminals kill off the police. The criminals then became the police. That's where this is heading. This The, the, the goal here isn't just to take the guns away from law-abiding people. It is to give badges to the criminals and have the criminals kill off and then replace the police. Uh, what Mao understood, and this comes from Leon Trotsky, right. the law is with a law that you pass what 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 old men do behind in smoky rooms behind closed doors i think as trotsky put it that doesn't matter the law is is, is whatever you enforce on the streets and uh well i'll use the criminals to enforce his edicts well, well hold on now what you're talking about there uh, last moment here is cartels you're talking about cartels in america running the system well, with 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 leadership at the top it would be one giant cartel and they would they would enforce communist rule uh, interesting. Uh, That's oh, how Mao took over. Yeah, well, forget Mao a minute. Let's stay here in the USA. Is that where we're headed? Yeah, we're following the exact same trajectory. The people that are doing this, they, 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 they're following Mao's book, textbook. They're, it worked in China, and they're, they're following it. We're seeing the exact same steps going in the exact same direction. So you think and if we without, don't do something, we're going to see the exact same outcome. You, you're thinking, you think without question, we're he you believe in your heart of hearts that we're headed to be a communist nation. Who do you think's funding it? All the money's coming from China. Look at all the money they're giving our universities and teachers unions. Look at all the money they're giving politicians. China's wow. funding this. There's no question this is coming from them. Wow. Wow. All right. We have to leave it there. Unfortunately, I have a whole lot more I want to talk about, but uh, we're, we're completely out of time there. Um, that op-ed, uh, let me tell you now, I want you to go read it, friends, is Driving Crime and Violence by Teaching the Hatred of Critical Theories. If you want to get educated on some of these critical theories and understand the cancer and all of this, read the piece a couple of times and then take some excerpts of the piece, the essay, and put it out there and let people know to come read this piece. I mean, this is how it has to happen. You, you got you to gotta get this. We got we to gotta take this truth and we have to put the truth out there to push back against the propaganda. That's a, that's a dire warning, what Wallace says there. Uh, that we're headed to, uh, and some of you know this, you feel it, you you know there's nothing normal about our nation anymore. Everybody has a sense, I and mean, we can bury our head in the sand and pretend it's all going to go away, or pretend we're looking for yesteryear, you know, that it's coming back someday soon, but it doesn't look that way, friends. I don't think that's the way it works here. Uh, we're talking today about the criminal mind and dumb and down of America, to be sure here. Interesting segment coming up, bringing that same process forward. We've got Dr. Mike Yeadon, really excited to have him on from the UK, will be here. Dr. Elizabeth Lee Vleet will be here. Going to have a great uh, conversation next. Talk about criminals, talk about Pfizer. They'd be right at the top of the list of what these uh, bastards have done, uh, to be certain here. Well, listen, friends, let's take a quick pause. We'll join you just on the other side here. You're listening to Viewpoint This Sunday.
The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans, and to all our dear friends around the globe. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Viewpoint this Sunday here. The criminal mind and the dumb and down of America. And boy, that is a loaded statement, isn't it now? Let's jump into a couple of things now on this uh, side of the conversation. And excited to have on here, Dr. Mike Yeadon joins us. He's an immunologist and former Pfizer chief scientist. You all probably know that worldwide for respiratory pharmacology and product development. Brilliant career, which is really uh, keeps them unsettled because he's been very outspoken. He's been very truthful. Uh, he's one of the warriors on the front line. Uh, and another warrior is uh, just our dear friend, associate Dr. Elizabeth Leavleet is here. She's president and CEO truth for health foundation uh and they're doing how do you say brilliant <laughs> uh amazing work uh yeah to truth for health foundation i could not be prouder uh to be with um lee in the big fight of life here uh for sure she's also the producer here and working hard on the whistleblower report which is uh, just an amazing broadcast. Uh, at noontime, you hear it. And uh, there's an encore at midnight, by the way, too. Of course, with the different time zones, you can hear that anywhere at any time. 
Okay, I want to st st start with, a, uh, well, there's a person that everybody knows the name. Talk about building a brand. Uh, if I say the words, what comes to your mind? You know, Jordan, Tristan, Walker. It's like, ah! <laughs> People know right away what comes to their mind. You know, it's like, come on. And uh, so, so let me just say this. Uh, Dr. Mike Eden, I want to start with you on this point here with Pfizer. You have the history, the background, the rich history there. Of course, it was probably a different Pfizer when you were there, I'm guessing. A lot of things have changed. But right. here's the thing. You hear this guy come out in a uh, with the Project Veritas uh, exposing the lies and the, the deception of what was happening here. And the whole concept, to put it in a nutshell, was about really profiting from these uh, variants or creating variants, a gain of function, if you will, uh, but doing some not nice things, some naughty, naughty things, let's put it that way. And he put it right out there in the light of day. And a lot of people were aghast and said, what? He, he's, they're doing what? Now, there are those of us who suspected a lot of this uh, stuff was going on, this bad, bad stuff. Um, it, how much of a shocker was that to you when you heard this guy? And is, is Pfizer capable of this kind of thing? Yes. So, Malcolm, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, my first reaction was a horror and shock. I used to work for Pfizer, I left uh, 11 years ago. I was once proud to work for Pfizer and how low they have fallen with their with their mRNA shots against COVID and employees like this mis you know, representing their, their brand very badly. Uh, I was absolutely horrified at some of the things he was saying. Uh, you know, was he, was he bragging of some of those things that really going on? Either way, you know, the, either way, this uh, this person is, um, has made, made the company, I think, trash in people's eyes. Yeah. Well, listen, now, here's the thing about it. If you look at some of the headlines right now, uh, and and this is so in your face, and and, and uh, Dr. Elizabeth Lee, let me have your comment on this here. Just let me, let me, I'm, I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five headlines, both of you. And this is fresh off the gate here, the last few days, CNBC. The COVID pandemic drives Pfizer's 2022 revenue to a record $100 billion. So let's just say they made a little bit of cha-ching, cha-ching last year, friends, okay? Forbes says, Pfizer expects COVID vaccine and pill revenues will fall 60% in 2023. Oh, boy. Now my antenna goes up. Hmm, okay. Reuters says, Pfizer sees steep 2023 fall in COVID sales aims to bolster pipeline. Now, listen, that one just grabs my soul and just pulls at it right there, guys. Listen, listen, I mean, this. I'm, I'm getting really uptight now. Pfizer sees steep 2020. Well, no kidding. We don't need your vaccines anymore. But mm -hmm. And then it says, and they aim to bolster pipeline. And you say, okay, hold on. What does that mean? Bolster the pipeline? Well, there's Jordan Tristan Walker coming in. Yeah, let me tell you how we're going to bolster the pipeline. Thank you, Reuters. I mean, you know. Uh, I got two more, but I, I got to go to you, Dr. Lee. What do you think of that? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Well, I think it's absolutely appalling, and it's exactly what we've been suspecting. Pfizer has a reputation going back early in my career of fraud in clinical trials. I mean, they were taken to task over Prozac, Vioxx, and they, they have not had a good reputation for many years. But this, what Jordan Tristan Walker exposed in his videos is directed evolution, which is another name for gain of function, making viruses more lethal to harm people so that they can then create something to fix the problem they made. 
and then make profit on it. This is absolutely an, an evil enterprise when you are calculatedly creating a virus to cause more damage and death and destruction and then create a vaccine that also causes death and destruction so that you can profit on it. And Pfizer needs to be held in in criminal investigation. Well, some of the congressional, the some of our uh, congressional folks have have sent letters now and trying to get answers from that video. Uh, boy, Project Virtus, they have definitely rocked the canoe, uh, Dr. Vliet, to be sure. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to imagine. I guess when you're talking that, you know, I always say, what's the criminal mind? What would somebody do? I mean, if you're asking billions of dollars, whatever, I mean, what's money worth? Is money worth killing a lot of people on the planet if you're getting that rich and I mean, whatever? I mean, is that what it's worth? Well, listen, to finish those headlines up, Forbes says Pfizer 2023 outlook disappoints, you think, as COVID business drops off. I mean, this is how egregious. And then New York Post, Pfizer forecasts a big drop in revenue. After, so they're all positioned now back to that Reuters one, bolster in the pipeline, makes me nervous. Uh, how is it, Dr. Yeadon, that Pfizer, not only are they doing these things, and we suspect that now it is happening, it's out in the light of day. It's not just a theory, conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy. It's a plan to create harm. How is yes. it that they can still breathe and survive in today's world? And I'm very serious. When you talk about the medical community and you talk about the big pharma community, I mean, how much is too much where you could do something so egregious like this and it gets out in the light of day? When does when do people, human beings, stand up and say, you know what? We're not going to have it anymore. And that Pfizer, you're you're done. You're done. Absolutely. Why doesn't that happen? Well, I agree with you. I, I have, there's no question in my mind that even prior to the, the, the Chris Tristan Walker problem, I'm afraid I have said this, that Pfizer is guilty of crimes against humanity in the manufacture, distribution and, and, and administration of these mRNA shots against COVID alongside, um, certainly Moderna, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, absent, um, Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca either. I think simply because of their, their uh, size, their capacity for manufacturing. It seems to me, I'm afraid, that Pfizer is the biggest criminal of all of the of all of the ones. If you think of the size of those drug companies, Pfizer, Pfizer, you know, oldest, biggest, biggest punch. And now, what they're modifying a pathogen, which is then going to infect people and um, and lead to a further wave of administration of what modified products. It's it compounds what is already crimes against humanity, Malcolm. Yeah, it's really important to keep in mind that right on the heels, around the same time mm -hmm. that Project Veritas was uncovering Pfizer's plan to manipulate viruses and create more of these damaging COVID-type shots, now we have a release from the NIH saying, "Oh." There's a new virus, Sudan virus, breaking out in the Sudan and affecting 143 people. So we have to have a new vaccine in America for all Americans because of this Sudan virus, one of four that causes Ebola disease in humans. It's, they're already playing out the very scenario that Jordan Tristan Walker was bragging about on the undercover video.
Oh, that could be. That's a great connection or segue into the next leg of this story I want to cover with you all today. What uh, Dr. Vleek says there is is real. And she helped break that part of that story here on the platform on America allowed the NIH doing this. But here's the thing. One thing I've discovered, which which I was saying just coming onto the program today with with, with my guest here, is that confidence in vaccines in general uh, mm-hmm. is, is 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 waned badly now. The damage that has been done from if there was any benefit of if whether you believed in vaccines or did not believe in them, they call it vax or anti-vax, and everything's got a label today. Um, the the point is, COVID shot that all in the foot. And this propaganda campaign on vaccines and the death and destruction that's in the in the wake of it uh, is is an outrage. And now uh, parents, moms, rightfully so, are going in. We we get hundreds and hundreds of emails in here. They say, you know, they say, hey, should we get these vaccines uh, for the kids? We're, we're a little worried now. Uh, the traditional vaccines we might have gotten, you know, a few years ago. I don't, we don't trust the system anymore. Our advice back all the time, and, and surely Dr. McCullough chimes in on that, and many other MDs on our platform say, good, don't trust them. Don't get the vaccines. You don't need them right now. That's the advice we give. Would you second that advice, Dr. Bleach, or do you disagree with that? <laughs> Malcolm, I totally agree with that because of several key points your listeners need to understand. Number one, most of the illnesses that they are vaccinating everyone for are easily treatable if you treat quickly and early, you don't really need it. Secondly, they have already announced in a variety of ways that they are converting the old technology for our traditional vaccines, which are traditional vaccines, into the new mRNA tech platforms, which are gene therapy shots. And the FDA announced in the spring of 2022 that, oh, we don't think we need to hold the pharmaceutical companies accountable now for changing modifications on their shots and listing it in the information sheet for patients. So they basically are not disclosing the changes they're making. They're not disclosing the ingredients. You have no idea what's in it. And there are ways to treat shingles, flu, COVID, everything early. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if you're injured or or die from the vaccine, back to what Dr. Bleach just says there is earth shattering because they've got a pass right up front with this whole program, friends. And exactly. you all know that at this point. And you know, what could go wrong with the program? Not only are we gonna, you know, the whole thing is is a bad, it's like a it's like on a far distant planet somewhere. Like it didn't really happen here on planet Earth, did it? But yeah, hell it did. I mean, we're going to come up with all these things in, in days and weeks. You know, we're going to put names on all of it, make it fancy. We're going to give a pass to the big pharma companies so they don't get any harm. And then it's going to kill or screw as many of you up as that you can it possibly do. I mean, and this is really what took place. Now, listen, that NIH story, I want to get over to you, Dr. Mike Eden, on the NIH uh, this new vaccine is a VSV SUDV, and uh, it's uh, again, as you say here, was developed like uh, you know at at the snap of a finger. Uh, mm-hmm. One of these kinds of things again. They don't have. It's really the problem of Sudan. What's happening there is not a problem to the magnitude of what they're saying, and now they're doing this. So, what is this all about, in your opinion, Doctor Eden? I I must say, I looked at it when I saw the story. I made five five predictions, something like. Uh, there'll be a tiny number of deaths. It'll be happening in a remote place, so you can't verify it. Uh, it'll be uncertain whether the disease is even novel. 
the the vaccine will need will be new. It will have been sponsored either by uh, NIH, uh, Wellcome Trust, and that sort of thing. And I went to the news item, and every one of my suspicions was confirmed. What do I think? I think this is a uh, fear porn, and it's a psyop, and it's not the kind of disease that radical that spreads readily anyway. What I think they're trying to do, Malcolm, is to frighten people with what I used to joke about. I used to call it flying Ebola. Imagine if we had airborne Ebola. I mean, wow, wouldn't that frighten people? Uh, I think they're trying to get people so frightened that they will roll up their sleeves and be injected with anything. But here's something I need to say and reinforce. The old-style vaccines you know, had their pros and their cons, and I really wasn't involved in that. I was in discovery research. Since I've been looking at the mRNA products, I would not recommend them to a pet dog and any products, any product, any vaccine that claims to be using this new shiny technology. I'm sorry, folks, do not, repeat, do not allow yourself, your friends, your children to be injected by it. I don't care what they say. They are inherently, uh, intrinsically dangerous. And I have seen stories where they're putting that message of RNA, or there's at least been talk about it, and I don't know the real facts of this, Dr. Yin, and I don't know if you do, uh, that there has, but I know there has been talk, I've seen it, uh, as far as putting that into all of these other regular vaccines and that yeah. sort of thing. Is is that a yeah. thing, or is that a yes, lie? Yes, I, I believe it is. Let me, let, me, let me just say two things that ter literally terrify me. One, I've heard what you've said, Malcolm, that all the old vaccines, what they say is, we're so pleased with this new technology and how well it's worked um, that we're going to reformat all the existing vaccines to this new format, mRNA. And as Dr. Lee says, there's a deal with the regulators that says, ah, you don't need to bother doing new clinical trials or to mention it on the label. So right now, I no longer trust anything. That, but here's the worst part. Your government and mine and every country I've looked at in Europe have all signed business terms, either with Pfizer or Moderna, uh, to acquire sufficient numbers of these things to inject every man, woman, child and baby 10 times. Now, I'm afraid I'm a discovery research person. I can assure you this is no exaggeration. If you allow yourself to be injected by an, a messenger RNA that codes mm -hmm. for a foreign protein, you know, whatever they claim it is, you know, spike protein from a coronavirus, the point is it's not you, Malcolm. It's not human. When it expresses itself in your body, your body detects that it's making non-self and your immune system attacks that tissue and attempts to kill it. If you inject that stuff periodically, maybe 10 times, I'm afraid my prediction is it's going to kill people. And I worry that this is this is that that's the attempts being made on, on humanity. Well, then I ask myself, Dr. Eden, what would it take? Uh, for the population to wake up. Now, there's a part of us in the group here on the call, I am certain, and many of our listeners and others who did push back and did not have the vaccine. We're in the small minority now of the population. We're the, whatever you want to call it, the underclass or the outrage or the rebels or the, I've uh, got a bunch of other adjectives they've given me as well. And then you've got the vast majority of the rest of the population who signed on and like a bunch of sheeple or whatever. And I've got a lot of friends too. I shouldn't say that. I don't want to be derogatory here. A lot of them were coerced and arm twisted and people have paid the price dearly for this. Uh, I'm talking about a price of life and death here, what we're talking about. So no laughing matter, people. 
So when do we get, to, I mean, where are we at the tipping point on this criminality? Where are we at the tipping point? Uh, let me ask you first, Dr. Bleat, are we at a tipping point? I mean, are we making progress? I mean, how many more people die before the world really wakes up and says, wow, we have, you know, we Houston, we do have a problem here and there's a price to pay for this. Will we see that in our lifetime, do you think? I think we are already seeing it, Malcolm. I think certainly um, I do think we're all making a difference. I think people are waking up. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that more people now know someone close to them or a family member yeah, who yeah. has died or been injured after getting the shot than had death or illness or severe complications with the COVID virus in 2020. So I think, and, and people are beginning to ask questions and what has happened with the Swiss president being sued, mm. being investigated by the attorney general yeah. with the Thai the king of Thailand coming out with um, criminal investigation of Pfizer and Governor DeSantis coming out with criminal investigations and grand jury investigations. I think there is a lot more publicity about the enormity of what has been done intentionally. And I think people are asking questions. Now, doctors are still not making the connection with their patients. In, I in the healthcare furious. community, you're saying, the medical field. Huh? Uh, yes. And okay. I get furious about my profession lying to patients and say, oh, there's no connection with the COVID shot when they know damn well that a lie. You know, and, that, and, and, that, and that point you make there is so big. I, I just don't even, I can't even express it enough. Uh, the nature of what we're speaking about that, you know, the doctors, the, the, the oath that they take the Hippocratic mm -hmm. oath to do no harm, but to, you know, has been so violated here in so many ways. I mean, I think I think I've noticed some encouraging things. Uh, so I'm, I'm not a great student of uh, political surveys, but I noticed one out of the US recently that said, astonishingly, 30 percent of of Democrat voters believe that they know someone who's been harmed or killed by the COVID-19 injections. And that I, I think we must be at a tipping point where uh, half the people know there's something up. But uh, I don't know whether your listeners know, but they probably do. Well, but there's a tremendous amount of censorship. So I want to talk to you about that right now. Right now. Yeah. My, thank you. Thank you. It's a segue. And I got to get this in the last few minutes. We got to talk about this. And by the way, you talk about that. What, what we're talking about right now is the core of the problem, which is the censoring. It is mm -hmm. the media. It is what has taken place. I'll give you an example. I read those headlines up front. Listen to one more just down here. This is the brand new headlines. Just the last couple of days here from Forbes, after I read those other ones, they say this. No, no. Project Veritas video doesn't prove Pfizer is mutating COVID-19. That's the headline, just to give you an idea. So the media continues to cover up. They're playing Satan's game here to cover up for the egregious criminality that has taken place. Talk about a criminal mind. Dr. Eden, you've been heavily censored. We all have. I mean, we've been shadow banned, censored, drugged through the... They don't want to hear the out loud truth. Uh, and so, but you know, we, we, we stayed steadfast on the truth here and we've done it as ladies and gentlemen, Mike, I want to be honest with you. We've done it as ladies and gentlemen, we don't play the games and we don't get, you know, nasty about any of it, but yeah. this whole censoring that's gone on and you, and you paid the price for that personally as well to your brand and your reputation. You spent a lifetime on, um, and we're seeing, I mean, I'll give you an example. If you go to your Wikipedia page, and it's the same thing with McCullough and all of them. Uh, you're a British anti-vaccine. Just because you don't want to be dead from a vaccine, you're an anti-vaxxer right away. Okay, cool. 
activists and retired pharmacologists who attracted media attention in 2021 for making false or unfounded claims about the COVID-19 pandemic and the safety of the vaccines. They reprimand you. You see that, right? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't really mind what they say to me. Uh, once I realised we were being lied to early in 2020, I decided that I had to say something. Uh, very quickly, I was fired by my last three biotech clients that that were unhappy with me questioning COVID policy and later the vaccines. But what I what I did do, just for the folks listening, I, I looked at these products coming towards us, and and Dr. Lee knows this. Uh, I made a number of predictions, uh, including accumulation in in the ovaries and, and impacts risk of impact on fertility. Yeah. This was December 2020 before any of them had wow. uh, youth authorization. So there's the documents out there with my name and, and also Dr. Vodarg of Germany. We co-wrote it and we predicted four or five things. They've all come true. Yeah, I know they have. I know they have. We've talked about it uh, on air and referenced your name multiple times. Mm. Uh, the censor of the media has been the culprit in all of this. Uh, Dr. Vliet, uh, I'm going to give you a word here on this. Uh, with the, I mean, you've been fighting the fight with me right here, and you've been doing an extraordinary job doing that. Uh, I mean, you talk about a tipping point. Uh, you know, how does the media fear in all this? Well, the, the media has been a weapon used against the American people, and Obama legalized that with modernization of the Smith-Munt Act from 1948 that prevented the use of media for propaganda and lies to the American people. In 2012, Obama changed and, quote, modernized, and quote, don't you love the way they put positive spin on the evil intent, mm -hmm. but they made it legal for the media to engage in propaganda wars, lies, and deception of the American people. And the media have been weaponized against the American people. They are perpetuating lies and propaganda, knowingly harming people. But they're getting away with it. Treatment. They're getting away with it. Well, listen, I want to applaud both of you, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Lee, to all your work. Uh, you are uh, you're just amazing. You're you're so wonderful to have you on the fight here. Uh, and uh, we're doing some extraordinary work on the platform. You know that. Lee. I mean, we uh, are. And thank you, Malcolm. This has been you have created a major voice and a major wake up call to America and the world to help preserve life, freedom, and our constitutional republic. And I'm grateful to be part of all of this Amen. effort. And Dr. Yeadon has been a, an ally and a dear yeah. friend. And yeah. I, over the last two years, he has been a warrior. And grateful to have him on a, as a regular on our vaccine report, on the whistleblower report, yeah. each week, right yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. The the whistleblower report is doing marvelous. I mean, it's doing terrific things. Dr. Mike Eden, you uh, have been also just a, uh, well, I would also call you a patriot uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, but you've stayed true to the truth and you, you've been, and you steadfast, you haven't, you haven't crumbled under the pressure and uh, God bless you for that, sir. Thank you very much. I feel like an honorary United States citizen, even though I was only there for a year, and it was great. I love we love being there, my wife Joanna and I. You are adopted by us, Doctor Yee. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, there is a wrap here, my fellow Americans. And listen, it is all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Uh, this one here, the criminal mind and dumb and down of America. A tremendous thank you to all of our guests here, and thank you, friends, for being on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud. 
America.